I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is the Philadelphia CityCast with Ryan Rothstein, presented by Bet Rivers. All right, welcome back. Philadelphia CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Ryan Rothstein, and excited for this episode. I'll be joined by another guest, Jason Martinez, who is the host for the Philadelphia Flyers pregame intermission and postgame uh, analysis covering the team in between periods, pregame, postgame shows for the Flyers. You can follow him at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T. So Jason will be joining us here on this episode shortly in just a few minutes to talk about the Flyers who, man, 13 straight losses. Uh, Chuck Fletcher, Flyers general manager, as well as Dave Scott, who is Comcast Spectacor's CEO and the Flyers' governor. They both spoke today, Wednesday, January 26th, for like a mid-season State of the Union type of team address. Touched on a lot of things, so we'll dive deep into everything that they discussed and much more all relating to the Philadelphia Flyers coming up here with Jason. Uh, And and before we zero in on the Flyers a little bit, I want to touch on the 76ers and before we touch on the 76ers some Eagles news Brandon Brooks all pro legendary offensive lineman Brooks has decided to retire announced earlier today Wednesday January 26th uh, reported first from Derek Gunn and then Brandon Brooks did come out and say he is retiring uh, so the Eagles will certainly miss Brooks, who has dealt with some injuries, has missed more and more time seemingly each year over the past couple of seasons. Unfortunate, bad uh, season-ending type injuries for Brooks, Achilles, among some other things. But uh, he will be missed. And now how does that impact the Eagles' offseason plans, right? With these three first-round picks, we know the Eagles love to look in the trenches, whether it be on the offensive side of the ball or the defensive side of the ball. Now they know they will be without Brooks, who's retiring. Jason Kelsey, Eagles will be very fortunate and lucky if he decides to return and not retire himself. Lane Johnson is not getting any younger. So do they continue to stockpile talent and bring in some younger guys for the offensive line, especially with Brooks officially announcing his retirement and with some of those other question marks on the offensive line. That's going to be something to keep an eye on and something that we'll keep an eye on and discuss here 
on the Philadelphia City cast. So that's the biggest news as of today, as it relates to the Philadelphia Eagles. Brandon Brooks decides to retire. We'll miss you, BB. All right, so some Sixers notes here. Uh, touched on touched on the 76ers a little bit on yesterday's episode, previewing their matchup at home against the Pelicans, game one of a five-game homestand. The spread opened at eight and a half for last night's matchup against the Pelicans, uh, and I said jump on eight and a half. That line quickly moved all the way to 11 and a half. The total was set at 214. I did like the over 214. Once it moved to 11 and a half, I wasn't advising anyone to jump on that 11 and a half. I jumped on it at eight and a half. Fortunately, the 76ers end up winning the game 117-107. So they win the game by 10. That's a cover for the eight and a half number falling just short. If you grabbed them at 11 and a half, the over did come through and hit uh, with the game finishing at 224 with the total set at 214, like I said. And let's talk about Joel Embiid for a second, who just had another absolutely monster type of performance. He now has 25 points or more in 15 straight games. He becomes the only 76er to do it alongside Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson and Joel Embiid, the only two 76ers in franchise history to score 25 or more in 15 straight games. You look at what he did on Tuesday night, just 42 points, 14 rebounds, four blocks, four assists. And the most impressive part of all of this, I mean, you can pick any part to, to discuss the impressiveness behind it, but the amount of minutes that he's playing in these games, Tuesday night against the Pelicans, 40 plus points, 14 rebounds. I just mentioned the stat line. He did it in 33 minutes, right? Like he, he's putting up these dominant numbers, MVP-like numbers, in you know a 26 to 33, 34-minute range. Honestly, 33 minutes is a little bit on the high end from what we've seen Joel Embiid as far as minutes played per game-wise. Um, so it's just been absolutely remarkable. This team goes as far as Joel Embiid goes, and right now he's he's at the top. You look at the updated MVP odds at Bet River Sportsbook in Pennsylvania. He has now moved once again. Uh, Joel Embiid is three to one at Bet Rivers to win MVP. Just yesterday, on Tuesday, January twenty fifth, Joel Embiid was five to one. And I'll continue to to touch on this, but the movement and the production that we've seen from Joel Embiid over the past know, four to seven weeks. It's been remarkable. Once again, I'll remind you, I, I touched on grabbing Joel Embiid and his MVP odds less than two months ago when they were upwards of 40 to 50 to 1 at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. And we all know what he's been able to do since then. He now puts himself in prime position to win this MVP award. He is the second, uh, second best odds to win the award at Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Giannis Antetokounmpo has moved himself into first place at plus 250. Curry, who was the odds-on favorite for a while, uh, he has now fallen to third best. He's still right in the mix at plus 350. And then we have Jokic out in Denver at plus 450. So it seems like a four-man race. For my two cents, I, I don't see the voters giving Jokic back-to-back -back MVP awards. It's a weird reasoning, but it's a valid reasoning. It it all matters 
on what the voters are thinking, the narrative that they want to focus in on, the stories that they want to write and the stories that they want to tell. So I don't believe Jokic is going to get it. I don't believe they're going to give it to Giannis again, barring you know, injuries from two or three of these guys. So right now it feels like a two-man race between Joel Embiid and Steph Curry, with Joel Embiid having the slight edge on the wagering menu at Bet River Sportsbook, at least three to one, Steph Curry plus three fifty. Man, I I hope anyone out there uh, ha- ha- who's been listening has taken Joel Embiid to win MVP a couple of weeks ago, or at any other point than now. I, I would say there's still a little bit of value because he right now Joel Embiid is the MVP, right? So if you can get him at three to one. It's not a terrible price, but it is a terrible price if you compare it to the 50 to 1 that we discussed not too long ago, the 40s to 1, the 20 to 1, right? At any point during this process, no pun intended, of Joel Embiid climbing and quickly climbing up these odds boards, you could have gotten it at a lot better of a price. But nonetheless, that is certainly a story as the Sixers now are off on Wednesday, but they will. Tip off Thursday night for game two of their five-game homestand, a nationally televised matchup, LeBron and the Los Angeles Lakers coming into Philadelphia uh, to take on Joel Embiid and the 76ers inside the Wells Fargo Center. Tip off is at 7 p.m. Eastern time, and we'll dissect that matchup uh, from every betting angle on tomorrow's episode. So you're going to want to keep it locked in uh, and be on the lookout for tomorrow's episode. So there you go. Updates on the Eagles with Brandon Brooks retiring and of course, Joel Embiid and the 76ers. But on this episode, excited to switch gears to talk some hockey slash Philadelphia Flyers with the pregame, postgame and intermission host, Jason Mertita. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with with, uh, Jason. And without further ado, here it is. Enjoy. All right, so let's get into it with Jason. I'm excited uh, to talk some some Flyers hockey. Uh, not much to be excited about on the ice here. So we'll, we'll get Jason's thoughts on all the latest on the ice, his thoughts on, on Claude Giroux, the captain. Does he stay? Does he go? That's up to him. And that was confirmed earlier today on uh, Wednesday, January 26th. So that's just one of the, the, the many topics we'll run through with Jason here. Jason, what's going on, man? Thanks for jumping on with me. Just trying to survive the uh, a franchise setting 13 game winless streak and having survived a 10 game earlier i feel a little tattered and torn but i guess it can only go up from here so they say (laughs) can it (laughs) i don't know sometimes when it's uh, bad it gets worse i I mean for the fans and we'll get into uh, like how the city's processing this uh, you Not know, well. Dave Scott and, and Fletcher touched on uh, fan attendance earlier today on Wednesday. So we'll get into that uh, as well. But for the fans that haven't been locked in to Flyers hockey each and every night, can you fill them in? Like, listen, 13 straight games uh, losing. Uh, and it's not the first time you reach double digit losses in one season consecutively. There's not much good to take out of that. But Are they playing a little bit better than the losing streak appears, or does that not even matter? Bottom line is they're they're catching L's each and every way you can. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, pro sports are all about one thing. It's about wins and losses, right? It doesn't matter. You don't get style points. They're 
you know, effort doesn't show up in the standings. So it doesn't mean anything. And, you know, like you look at the situation now when you have two double digit losing streaks and the, the last the one they're in right now, 13 games. You know, I can't find anything good about it because, I mean, they haven't won a game in 2022. And we're now here on the end of January, for goodness sake. So, and it's been bad. I mean, they're a team that struggles to score. Um, they're a team that doesn't score first very often. And when they do, they still have found a way to lose those games. And, you know, scoring first is a big advantage. It shouldn't be because games don't end one nothing or just 2-1 very often. But um, they had a team that is fragile, doesn't deal with adversity well. They're a team that fired their coach and has an interim coach in there now that's doing everything he can, but I mean, the deck stacked against them. And then you couple all of that with, you know, they're missing nine guys. You're missing your top line center in Sean Couturier, who's a Selkie winner two years ago. You're missing your second line center in Kevin Hayes, who had two core surgeries and then had a maintenance done to that with draining fluid from his abductor, which doesn't sound great. You're missing another center with Nate Thompson, Joel Farabee, who had a really good year. And you're missing a top-pairing defenseman. Um, so you couple all that together, there's never an excuse to lose 13 straight games. I don't care how many guys you got out. But you couple all that together, and that's how you end up with 13 so far. And who knows where, if it ends on Saturday against the Kings, pretty good team. So uh, they're up against it right now, and it's ugly, and it's bad, and you know, there, there, there's been some games where they put themselves in a position to win and they found a way to wrestle defeat from the jaws of victory. And the oddest part of it is they've gotten bounce back goaltending this year. And that's usually the biggest buoy in hockey to buoy a team back up. And if you thought like after last year, if they could just shave their goals against and get good goaltending, then they're going to be a pretty good team. But they've gotten that and it hasn't been the case. You mentioned uh, Couturier, you mentioned Kevin Hayes, uh, amongst some other names there. And, you know, Dave Scott on Wednesday, he, he brought those names up uh, and when talking about the core and talking about a potential rebuild. And he said, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, you know, there doesn't need to be a three to five year rebuild here. And he likes the core. And he brought up some of those names that you that you just mentioned, Jason. So. Do you agree with that? I mean, how bad are things when, when we're projecting ahead now? Is this core good enough? How far away are they, you know, from, from just being relevant again, from, from avoiding these disasters that we're experiencing this year? Yeah, and last year to some extent too. I mean, they, they ended up finishing, I think, two games over hockey 500 last year. But you watched it. People watched it. It was gross, right? That month of March was gross. Like, that was not good hockey. And eventually it ends up costing AV his job. But, I mean – Sean Couturier in the first 10 games of the season had 12 points, and then something was wrong. You could tell he wasn't controlling the game all of a sudden. You went, okay, he must have an injury. He was trying to play through it and just couldn't. And eventually it, it took him out of the lineup and then now on LTIR. Um, so you knew – and like I refuse to believe that Sean Couturier just aged a dog year, at, you know, aged seven years in one offseason. He's still a really good player, and he'll be fine once he's healthy. And he's only 29 years old, and he's got a new eight-year contract that's starting, and you hope he ages, and his game's very similar to Patrice Bergeron, who basically signed the contract at the same time as Couturier. And there was a lot of questions about Bergeron because he had multiple severe concussions and some other injuries that he dealt with. Um, but Couturier's not – I don't worry about him. Once he gets healthy, I think you're totally fine there for at least five of those years because he's a really smart player. 
Um, he's not the most fleet of foot, but he's he's not doesn't predicate his game on speed. Uh, Hayes is you know double core surgery is a tough thing to come back from in season. I remember a couple of years ago, probably four years ago, Giroux and Gossespierre both had core surgery. Drew a double in a, in an off season, and he had a fifty eight point season in eighty two games. And it's just hard to break through that. You got to break through scar tissue, very painful to deal with. And your body doesn't open up, and every stride you take when you're skating is limited. But eventually, once you break through that, Drew bounced back and had a 102-point season after that. Um, but Hayes is not Drew, number one. And he's never been the most fleet of foot in his game. You know, he doesn't have a half a step to lose. So that contract we never thought would age well. I think he still has more to give. Um, but he's got to have a really good recovery from this. So I think it's important he comes back this year to, you know, knock out that scar tissue and those things and play, even though the games won't be really for meaning. I think they mean something for him, coupled with the fact that I think that he he needs to play for his own mental health with all the stuff he's gone through. Like, he needs to be around the game. Um, but, you know, you look at those core players that Dave Scott mentioned, and, you know, Farabee, I think, is a core player for sure. He didn't. There was a couple he didn't mention, which I thought was even odder. You know, he didn't mention Carter Hart, and he didn't mention Ivan Provorov, which I was a little surprised at. Didn't mention Konechny. But, I mean, they have some some good players. And Look, I think in hockey, like, n- no team is as far as, uh, as away as it feels. Things can change really quick in this sport. They do. And some things never change. Like, you look at Buffalo. They've gone through this pronounced teardown rebuild. And they've drafted some pretty good players. Rasmus Stalin's a really good player. Jack Eichel, really good player. They haven't gotten anywhere. They've made the playoffs in over a decade. You look at Edmonton. They had four top picks, number one overall picks in the draft in seven years. And they have two of the best players on planet Earth to ever grace planet Earth in McDavid and Dreisaitl. They're not going to make the playoffs. And you look at teams like Carolina was trying to do that teardown and rebuild. It took them nine years until they got Sebastian Ajo, and that changed everything. You have to get a, you have to get a good, really good player that makes a difference, and then you get the right coach in there with Brindamore. There's no guarantee with tearing it down. So I'm not a big believer in that tear down five year rebuild thing anyway. So I think that's just there's no guarantee with that. So and you look around the NHL, like I, I don't see any success stories with it. I mean, even look at a team like Toronto, right? They kind of I don't know that they kind of tore it down, but and they got Austin Matthews, they got Mitch Marner, they got some good players, but they haven't won a round of the playoffs. So I look at teams like Tampa that drafted really well and got Kucherov, not at the top of the draft. Got Braden Point, the third round. Got Vasilevsky. They, they just made good decisions and had a really good GM and Steve Eiserman. So, you know, that the core that Dave mentioned was pretty up there in years. But there's got to be three cores on a team. you got to have a veteran core. You have to have, a, you know, a young core. And then you have to have, like, your ELC players. And they all you have to have three separate cores. You can't have all young players. can't have all old players. You can't have all middle guys because you got to stagger your payroll as well. So long way of me answering that question was um, I agree with elements of it, but not in totality. There were some things he said that I, I was cool with. Like his opening statement was great. You know, I'm angry. The fans are angry. We're not winning games and we got to win games. But some of the other elements of it, I did not agree with his sentiment. You know, Claude Giroux is certainly not a young guy. And, uh, you know, that's something they, they touched on as well in, in Wednesday's presser. 
and uh, you know when, when bringing up will he be traded, should he be traded, however you want to word it there. Uh, you know, they they replied, it's up to it's up to Drew, and it is up to Drew. He has a, a no trade clause, no no move clause, whatever the exact titling of it is. It's up to him. He goes to the team and says, all right, you know what, I want out, or I give you permission uh, to move me out. Either way, do you see that happening? Would you look at that and say, man, that was cool of of him because you know I feel like it'd be best if we can move on from him and get something in return because he is in his final year of his eight year deal. He becomes uh, an unrestricted free agent, I believe, after the season. So, how do you see that playing out, both before the deadline and even if we just say hypothetically he's here and the season comes to an end? Uh, what's the best case scenario? What would you like to see happen? Well, I mean, I th- I think, I mean. You know, Chuck Fletcher kind of said today, hey, we're still trying to win games, blah, blah, blah. But the math's really difficult. And while it's not impossible because they're not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, it's insanely improbable. Um, they're not making the playoffs. <laughs> they all know that. They're not oblivious to that fact. They may term it certain ways. Uh, but I think Drew, you know, the big thing with him is uh, I think that he will waive it. You know, the one complication is that he does have two kids and he's got a family now and, and he's a big family man. Um, but I think that he will waive it and he'll be in a situation where he'll submit a list of teams that he's willing to go to. And Chuck Fletcher will have to deal with those teams. And I mean, they're, they're the names you would expect, like Colorado and probably St. Louis, maybe Vegas, you know, those kind of teams. And Flyers will eat half the money because they can and it, they'll get a better return if they do. But, yeah, I think he's a competitor, and I think he's looking forward to the opportunity not only to compete for a cup, but to be a player on a team, not the set, the face of the team and the centerpiece. I think that'll be liberating to him as a player to kind of, you know, be a guy on the team. doesn't have to be the captain and, you know, everything that goes with that for as long a period of time as he has a franchise icon. You know, he can go to Colorado and, you know, the – the face of that franchise is Kel McCarr and Nathan McKinnon. And he'll go there and be a, a very important piece that could put them over the top. Um, and I think that once you go and if he does do that, and I believe he will, that once you do that and you become a player, just a player again, and not all the other stuff that he has to deal with, I think that will also help him to, to make a decision to sign somewhere in the offseason that's not here. Talk with Jason Mertides. Follow him on Twitter at Jason M-Y-R-T. Uh, the Flyers pregame, intermission, postgame host. He's also the host of the Flyers Daily Podcast. Uh, great follow. He is he's the guy to follow uh, if you want all the latest on the Fly Guys here in Philadelphia and wherever you may be. So let's talk some goaltending. Carter Hart. What, what's, your, what's your assessment here on the goaltender Carter Hart? A, a lot of hype. Uh, once, once he's, you know, named the starter, he's the guy, a lot of hype around the young kid, uh, when the Flyers decide to choose him, uh, what have you seen this year? Is the future bleak? Is it bright? Exceeded expectations? Uh, what's Jason's thought process around Carter? Well, development in the NHL as a pro or in any sport, really, the NFL is a little different because they come out and, you know, they're men by the time they get there. When you draft NHL players, I mean, they're kids. I mean, some of these guys don't even have hair under their pitch yet. You know, they are kids. And, and some of them look at you like, oh, is, is he really a draft pick? I mean, he looks like he's 14. Some guys are like that. Carter was kind of like that. But um, And then they develop, and it's not a straight line. 
for most players, it's not. It's full of learning and peaks and valleys and moments of success and uh, a good amount of moments of failure. And he came in initially when he got called up out of necessity because they were, I think there were six goalies deep at that time, that season, because just everybody got hurt. And, you know, he gets in, he had some success, then he had some good success in year two and had a really good playoff in the bubble. And then last year, obviously, the the environment around him really broke down. I mean, when with no Niskin in and they were a team that was a mess defensively with their structure and it lacked and he's a competitor and he lost some of his his structure and his game and it really affected him last year, coupled with the pandemic, you know, living by himself. But I've been really impressed this year with his bounce back because there's a lot of pressure on him and to come back this year and do what he's done. I mean, he's given the team that's lost, had a 10-game winless streak and a 13-game winless streak, a chance to win a ton of games. I think he's only had about two games that I would deem as bad games all year, two. And one of them was the... The, the Tampa game where they got run out of the building and AV got fired that night or the next day. So, I mean, to me, he has really bounced back. He showed a lot of resilience. He's added a lot of different elements to his game. Um, you know, you see the save that he makes in the Dallas game against Miro Heiskanen, and it's a, it looks like it's just a total desperation diving save as he's moving from his right to his left, dead to rights, and he battles to get there. But that's actually, there's technical elements to that. It's called the spread and something that, Kim Dillaball brought to him. It was kind of something that Jonathan Quick probably invented uh, when he was out in LA. And it's kind of you're kind of falling forward and you're sprawled out, but you're, there's technical elements of your hands being up and out and forward. And that's how he makes the save. He was really resistant to it actually at first, but he, he's a, a worker, um, insanely professional and diligent about his craft, especially for a young guy mature beyond his years. And I think I mean, goaltending in hockey is like quarterback in football. If you don't have it, you're looking for it. They have that element. Now they have to surround them and, and put in front of him a better team. Um, but he's back. I mean, there might be a point this year where he gets overwhelmed by the environment again, because so much of goaltending is environment. It's, uh, you know, my, my good friend, Kevin Woodley from Ingold Magazine always says it. Goaltending does not happen in a vacuum. And you are a product a lot of times of your environment. So um, that could break down to a point if they move more pieces and and overwhelm his game at, at times this year, but he's battled through it. Um, I think he's a total pro, um, and it's, it's probably one of the least concerns I have. And, you know, just knowing him personally as well and getting to know Carter really well over the last, you know, three or four years, um, he, he works his ass off. And, I mean, he, he's really diligent about the craft. So I, I, I don't worry about the goaltending position at all, and I'm pretty discerning eye when it comes to it. Uh, speaking of, you know, guys in their future, we talked about Giroux and, and just, you know, you assessing who stays, who goes, the core, everything else. But what about the interim head coach, Mike Yo? Uh, and talk about the job that he's done. He, listen, he steps in as interim head coach, and uh, this seems to be the case. You know, you know hockey a, a lot better than I do, Jason. But in, in the NHL, it seems like when a coach gets fired, like a, a win streak or a turnaround is inevitable. Now, for how long is that sustained? That's That varies. I'm not saying it's guaranteed and you're going to win the cup, but anytime a head coach is fired in the NHL, I feel like the locker room rallies around each other. It, quote, galvanizes a locker room. Uh, people love to use galvanize. But uh, talk about the job that, that Yo has done, and it seems like he's the guy the rest of the way here now, but 
fast forward to the offseason, what does the organization do uh, as far as the head coach? Yeah, I mean, Mike's been dealt a really tough end. Just from the from really the moment he got the gig, it was just not an ideal time to be firing a head coach and putting an interim in literally on a back-to-back and game number two of five and seven days and no practice time. The first, I think, 29 days, Mike Yo was the interim head coach. They had two practice slots, two. That's just disgusting, right? And they were, just, and not only that, but they're playing some really good, really good teams. And you know, you had Tampa three times in there. You had uh, all kinds of great teams: Carolina, Washington, Pittsburgh. I mean, you had really good opponents too. And they had a little bump where they had the seven-game point streak. Usually, that actually with a new coach takes a little time, takes three weeks, and then things start to come together. For the Flyers, it was a bit opposite. Once they got their legs under them and did the ten-game winless skid, they were playing better. They actually got within a point of the wild card at one point. Uh, it was Detroit at the time, but um, and then the wheels fell off completely again. But I mean, I just think he's in an impossible situation. I just don't know. You know, he's only got you know ten fingers to to plug thirty-eight holes in the dam. You know, with all the injuries and everything else. And I think Mike's going in with a really good attitude. I've appreciated kind of you know the availabilities after games of how kind of transparent he is he's not afraid to call it like it is and I think he's been really honest and upfront with the guys dealing with them too but I mean all said and done it's not going to be his job going forward I think we all know that I think the big key though is kind of figuring out they need to figure out what they are what they want to be what their organizational identity is because if you don't know what that is you know then what are you doing what are you going after and I think you want to know what that is. So you, you have some pieces you know are going to be here, like Farabee, like Couturier, like Hart. I don't know about Provorov. I mean, I think everybody else is kind of up for grabs. Um, but not that you want to trade all of them, but you're not going to hang up the phone if somebody calls about them. And then you got to figure out what you want to be, and then you got to find the coach or the candidates that fit that. So are you going to be a team that is going to be predicated on, you know, just spilling it, blocking shots, defensive responsibility and and or are you going to be a team that wants to fly up and down the ice what, what's you know what's the philosophical identity of the franchise and then you figure out who those coaches are because they're far different I mean for for a certain kind of team John Tortorella makes sense for another kind of team John Tortorella makes no sense and you know there's other guys like Dan Quinn or <clears throat> excuse me David Quinn and you know you look at, at Jim Montgomery or you look around the league and other guys and you got to figure out what you are before you figure out who the actual candidates are. I mean, I love torts. I think he makes the team matter right away again in the city. And, you know, it's weird because he, the average tenure of an NHL head coach is three years, basically. And torts burns really hot. Right. But his, his tenures are never short. Seven years in Tampa what they're trying to make the identity of the franchise going forward for the next chunk of time. All right, Jason, I appreciate your time, man. As always, uh, great stuff. And make sure you give them a follow on Twitter at Jason Mert, J-A-S-O-N-M-Y-R-T, Flyers pregame, intermission, postgame host, host of Flyers Daily Podcast. Jason, do the Flyers uh, end the losing streak Saturday against the Kings at 1 p.m., or do we get to uh, 14 straight losses? You can't end it on 13. Like, that's 
unlucky to end the losing streak on 13. <laughs> right. So they, they have to lose Saturday. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, unless, you know, Wayne Gretzky's walking through that door. I don't know. The Kings are a pretty good team. Uh, they're having a good bounce back. They're, they're in their – see, they're a team that didn't tear it down. They kind of recoiled, right? Now, they also won two cups in 2012 and 2014. Flyers did not. Um, but, you know, they're a team that is recoiling. Like, I look at those teams like the Kings and Anaheim, and they go, that's kind of the way to, to retool, rebuild quickly. And that was about, what, three years to being prominent for both of those teams? I mean, like, look at the Ducks. They draft you know, Trevor Zegras. They draft uh, Jamie Drysdale. They still have Ryan Getzlaff there. They don't have Perry, and they got rid of some other guys, but they're a good team again. So is the Kings. And like my, my boy Jonathan Quick still getting it done. He's a friggin' maniac. Um, so I don't know about Saturday. I'd, <laughs> I'd say the odds are against it, and I think the Vegas line will be indicative of that. But um, I hope so because it's, it's tough watching them just keep losing, losing. Like, I think the fans are betwixt and between. Like, they're going, we need a good draft pick and we need top-end talent. But living the day-to-day of losing is difficult. That's why, like, everybody says tear it down and, and rebuild it and, you know, strip it down to the studs. And I go, y- you sure you have the stomach? For- like, I see the, what you tweet on Twitter. Like, you, I don't think you have the stomach for it. <laughs> right, you think re- this is bad. Yeah, you think this is bad. Like, it gets, yeah, but the... But we're going to get all these stars. But again, there's no guarantee, even if you get a star player, that you're going to be able to be a bona fide playoff or contender. Because look at all the teams that have gone that route and it hasn't done anything. So, I mean, you got to have a really, really good stomach to, to go for that. And with the recent history of teams doing that and it not working, and again, I invite people to show show me where the teams that did that, and it did work. They're very few and far between. It, you would think the odds would be better for them if they did do it, but they're not. So yeah. it's hockey. It's different. It's not the NBA. So it's a different ball game. But uh, to answer your question, um, unfortunately, I think we see 14 on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty ridiculous question for me to ask for a team that's losing 13 straight games. So uh, how do you break the next one down? It's yeah. like, I don't know, dude. They're losing 13 straight. Like, yeah. you, <laughs> I mean, What's he, the answer there? Yeah, I mean, my, my best prediction would be that somehow they're in position maybe to win the game um, and find a way to lose, <laughs> you know, because that's kind <laughs> right. of what's happened. And, you know, they get a two-on-one on a penalty kill yesterday um, against uh, the Islanders. They get down. They end up not even getting a shot on goal, par for the course, on two-on-one. And then it goes the other way with a three-on-two, four-on-two, actually, and Parise scores, and that's the game-winning goal. You know, it's like, damn, you tied up in the third period when they had nothing left. I mean, they looked dead in that second period. They got shot 12 to four and they didn't look fit. They looked physically tired, but they looked more emotionally just gassed after eight Mm. games, eight losses, mind you in 13 days. So um, they got to find a way to get one, but like last year and where Buffalo lost like what, 16 straight or whatever, and then they beat the flyers. (laughs) Somebody's going to have to lose to them. Right. Nobody wants to be the team that loses to them. No, no one wants to be that team. But hey, hopefully, hopefully it's the Kings. And if not, that's fine. You don't want to end it on uh, on bad, uh, unlucky thirteen. Jason, I appreciate your time, man. Thank you so much. Great stuff. 
Uh, give him a follow on Twitter, like I mentioned. Do you have anything else to plug? What What did I miss, man? What, let uh, everyone know what's going on. Uh, I'm like dizzy. I got so much going on. Um, of course, <laughs> Flyers Daily, which we do daily, um, which is great to do daily during a 13-game losing streak. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we do Flyers Daily every day. And then uh, every Monday and Thursday, uh, we do Stick to Hockey Live, which is a live stream show and then is available on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify after the fact. And then uh, also doing the OG's podcast with Harry Mays uh, every Tuesday. So, yeah, tons going on. F1 podcast during F1 season, but we're not there right now. But other than that, I got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right, Jason, like have a good F1 night, man. Podcast? Hopefully you see a win on Saturday. Uh, and we'll, uh, we'll catch up with you here soon. Anytime, Ryan. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, brother. All right, there's my conversation with Jason Martinez. He's uh, he, he's a great listen. He, he's funny. He keeps it real. And, and honestly, he's as knowledgeable as it gets uh, when talking puck, when talking Flyers hockey. So great stuff. You, you, you can't miss him, right? If you're trying to listen to the Flyers, you're going to hear him pregame intermissions. You're going to hear him postgame. You're going to see him all over social media. Uh, and you know, the, the Flyers daily podcast that he's a part of. So great stuff from Jason. I appreciate his time as always. And hopefully the Flyers can end this thing at 13 straight losses on Saturday at 1 p.m. against L.A. as the Kings come into Philadelphia at the Wells Fargo Center. And as I mentioned to start the show, another L.A. team is coming into Philadelphia. That's tomorrow night, Thursday night, LeBron and the Lakers. So make sure you uh, be on the lookout for the next episode that is dropping right here on the Philadelphia CityCast presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. We'll uh, preview that matchup between the Sixers and the Lakers, get into all the latest in Philadelphia, just like we always do. So I appreciate everyone who's tuned in to this episode. And until the next one, Hope you guys have a great day, a great night. Thanks for listening to the Philadelphia CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook wants you to be in control of your football bets. That's why players love the same game parlays at Bet Rivers. Same game parlays let you mix and match player props and game bets and gives a payout boost to the winning combinations you want to root for. Combine two bets or combine many. You pick your confidence level and then watch the game unfold. Bet on same game parlays at betrivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app. Presented by Rivers Casino Pittsburgh. Must be 21. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.